Good morning. Today I'll be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who will, who, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, and are being transformed into His likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I might, but some people see the effect right away. You see colors now? Oh my god, is this the real world? <laughs> is this actually what it looks like? Now, I don't know what it's like to be colorblind. And I can only imagine the excitement that they had when they first had an opportunity to see the world from a different point of view, from the right point of view. One of the kids said, is this the real world? Is this exactly what it looks like? Another man said, I have been missing out on so much. My favorite reaction was when the older gentleman, the first older gentleman you see up there, he, he just claps his hand in excitement. He can't control the excitement that he has, that he sees color, sees the world the way it was meant to be seen in the first place. And the other gentleman, he, older gentleman, he puts him on, and he could, could not help himself. He was so overwhelmed with the fact that he's seeing things differently, seeing things the way that they're supposed to be seen. They had to take the glasses off, put them back on and take them off again because it was too much for him. Now, I know a lot of us in the room have been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we may have had that same situation where when we met Christ for the first time, it changed our lives. Is this is how my life is supposed to be? Is this the real world? Some of them may have met Christ and been so transformed that we couldn't even be in his presence. Like, God, I'm not worthy to be around you. But for whatever reason, in 21st Christianity, we decide to put a veil over our Christianity and hide it from the rest of the world. As if God didn't transform our lives as dramatically as their lives were transformed in that video. Good morning. For those of you that don't know, my name is Javon Johnson. I'm a chaplain in the United States Navy. I'm stationed over at Camp Pendleton. I work with artillery at at 111. So today, we're going to be talking about where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom, the unveiling of our Christianity. And so the verse that we're in today is 2 Corinthians, is is it working? Chapter 3, there it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, where it says this. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is Spirit. 
Now, when I first read this, at first the things that pop out to me are, are, are the veil uh, being unveiled, our faces being veiled, the veil being taken away. And so from a 21st century perspective, we just see, think about a veil being um, put over us and then taken away from us. But when they're reading this for the first time, when the people who are reading this understand that he's talking about Moses. And he's talking about the, mo- the, the veil that um, Moses and God had between the people of Israel when he came back from um, the, the mountain. So in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15, it says, even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. Now, what we understand, God has sent the 10 plagues out to Egypt. The last plague was the death of the firstborn. What happened, God let, I mean, Pharaoh finally decided to let the people go. And then they get into this point of the wilderness where God says, I need to control my people. I need to give them some commandments. And so he gives them 10 commandments. And Moses goes up to the mountain and he comes back down with the 10 commandments. And he is actually glowing. He's actually radiating Christ, God's glory towards the people so much so that when he came down, it was like, no, we, we, we can't look at you. You need to go back. You, you need to go back. up. You, we can't have you in our presence because you have God's glory on you so much. And so one of the things that Moses decided to do, he put a veil over his face so that the people, when he came to talk to the people, they wouldn't be so scared or uncomfortable. It says this in Exodus chapter 34, verse 33 to 35. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put the veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what had been commanded, they saw his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went to speak with the Lord again. Now, what is he doing? He's trying to make the Israelites feel comfortable. Hey, you know, I can be in the presence of God. I can do this, but you guys are uncomfortable. So I'm going to make sure that you are comfortable to know what God has in store for us. But I would say this, that certain social situations dictate whether or not we put a bell over our Christianity. Certain social situations dictate whether or not we put an actual veil over our Christianity. Now, for me, I told you guys earlier, I am a chaplain in the Navy, and by default, what, what, what I get is an actual unveiling of, my, of, of Christ's glory. So on one side of my collar, I get an opportunity to wear this, this, this insignia that says that I, this rank. This is the power structure, the influence that I have in the military structure. And then on the other side, I get a cross. And if you're a chaplain, if you're a Muslim chaplain, you get a crescent moon. If you're a rabbi chaplain, you get a, 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 a tablet with the Star of David on it. But by default, because I am a chaplain and I come into to, to rooms, people know that I represent Christ's glory. One time I, I got a text message from a gunny. And the gunny, well, it was, a, it was sad. He, he said that the, um, there was a, a Marine in the hospital. His wife was in the hospital and that um, he... The baby, something was wrong with the baby. They took him from Camp Pendleton, and then they flew him to Balboa because something was wrong. The parents didn't even get a chance to touch their child. And he was like, hey, you know, can you go over there and talk to this guy and see how he's doing, how the family's doing? So I'm like, okay, sure. That's exactly what I'm supposed to do. And so I walk in. I'm looking for the space, and then I see a sergeant kind of sitting over there. He noticed me. He's like, hey, he's like, good afternoon, sir. Is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, everything's good. I'm looking for this Marine. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, is everything good? I'm like, yeah, it's good. I, I'm just coming here to do a welfare check. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm like, wait, is something wrong? I asked him. I was like, is something wrong? He's like, I don't know. You Do you know something? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything. He was like, I was like, I'm literally just coming here to check on him. And he was like, oh. 
He's like, chaps, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't come into this hospital and start being here and being a person. The bottom line is, as a chaplain, when you come into the hospital with sickness and death, usually that means something bad. Usually it means you're coming to come pray over something that's bad. He, think, he thought the baby had died or something because I, I showed up. But, but by default, because I have a cross on, on, my, on my collar, Christ's glory is unveiled. So much so that when I walk into spaces and I start talking to people and they're cutting it up, talking about all the debauchery that they did over the weekend or whatever, they're like, hey, 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 knock it off. Chaps, chaps coming. <laughs> yeah? Not, 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 not because of me, not because of who, who I am, but what I, I could walk in like this, and if they don't know who I was, they wouldn't know that I was a Christian or not a Christian. They'd just see a dude in a regular uniform, but the, I mean a regular um, uh, outfit. But if, because I have the cross on my, on my collar, they automatically say, hey, this is a guy that radiates Christ's glory. So much so as well, if, even if somebody is higher ranking, higher ranking than me and I'm in a conversation with them and they're talking like they normally talk and then they might say something off the wall, something crazy, they're like, oh, sorry, chaps. They do that because of the cross. They don't do that because of me. They do that because the chaplain court says you have to radiate your, the glory of Christ in your uniform. Now, here's the deal. I could put a veil over that glory. I can do that by participating in the things that they participate in. I can do that by laughing at inappropriate jokes. I can do that by swearing. I can do that by um, allowing people to live in sin even though I know they're not supposed to be doing it. And by default, what happens is that I put a veil over my Christianity, a veil over my chaplaincy, and people <laughs> don't take me serious anymore. And so I ask a question. When does the bell get put on for you? Is it when we leave the church building? Like we're, we're good with having Christian conversations here and being Christians and talking about Christian things, but as soon as we leave this, this, these, these walls, we go back to our regular scheduled programming. Is it when we're around certain people? When we're with our Christian friends, we can do Christian things and talk about Christian ethics and all that, but when we're with our old friends, hey, y'all, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to put them down. I want them to think that I'm just a killjoy. When I had became a Christian for the first time, I, I, I was super overzealous. I was super like excited about being a Christian. So because I used, I lived in Las Vegas, Nevada. You can imagine what I did as a teenager in Las Vegas, Nevada. And so I'm coming out of that, right? And so I have friends who do these same things. And so when I became a Christian, I was on fire. I'm like, hey, you need to stop living your life and sin. You need to stop doing this, this, this. And so I started doing that to my friend Megan. And she was like, you need to shut up. I'm like, excuse me? She's like, you were doing the same stuff that I was doing, blah, blah, blah. How are you going to come at me and tell me this, this, this? And I ended up losing our friendship for about 12 years. And so by default, what happened to me is because that situation put me in a, in, a, in a space where I was like, I'm not going to tell people about Jesus Christ, at least not that way. I'm not going to do it. I started putting a veil over, over my family members. I started putting a veil when I was in the presence of my old friends. They knew I was a Christian. They knew I didn't participate in the things that I did before, but I would put the veil on and I wouldn't tell them about Christ. We try so hard not to offend others with Christ's glory that we end up just offending God with our inactivity. I don't think y'all are ready to hear that. 
We try so hard not to offend others with Christ's glory that we just end up offending God with our inactivity. And I get it. I mean, there's a space in our, in our church history, the 60s, 70s, 80s, where, where people will walk up to people and say, you're homosexual, you're going to hell. You're sleeping with your, your boyfriend, girlfriend, you're going to hell. Hey, I can't believe she had a baby out of wedlock, you're going to hell. And that was the, how we went about telling the gospel. And some of us have been offended in that way. Some of us come into the church with that kind of baggage on us. But that's not the way that, that we're supposed to go out and spread the gospel. I was prior enlisted. I used to work in a, as, a, as a yeoman, which is basically an admin clerk or whatever, right? And this young lady had decided that she wanted to change her job to become from a, like an engine man where she worked on the um, engines to be a chaplain. I mean, not a chaplain, excuse me, a yeoman. And, and I was tasked with take, t- teaching her how to do her job. And in the process of teaching her how to do her job and how to do the job correctly, I find out that she was gay. She was homosexual. And on top of that, she had a spouse, a wife, who was um, a Marine as well. And in the conversation, we would talk about our spouses. She would talk about her, her wife. I would talk about mine. I ne- she knew I was a Christian. It was very clear. But I never judged her. I never did any of that stuff. And then one day, I, um, I invited her to church because I was preaching that day. And she said, I don't want to come to your church. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> cool. Like, wh- why don't you want to come to church? She's like, Christians hate gay people. I was like, okay, but I'm a Christian and I don't hate you. She's like, well, you're different. I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> all right, I got, so at least we, we at least we understand that I'm treating you fairly. Okay, so so why don't you want to come? Oh, they they hate gay people. They're gonna tell me to pray away my gay. This this this. She was she went on for like five minutes explaining to me why she did not want to step foot into my church, even though she'd never been to my church. That's because she had all this baggage from people who, who were actually offensive, Christians trying to display God's glory, but they were doing it in the wrong way. You see, this is the way we normally try to display God's glory. We go around and tell people, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a bad person, you need to stop doing your this bad thing, all this stuff, when actually our job is not to tell people that they're living in sin. The last time I checked when I read the Bible, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, so where do we come out saying to someone else that you're a sinner, you're bad, you're this? That is not your job. That is not our job when we're radiating Christ's glory. Our job to radiate Christ's glory is to love people where they are the same way that Christ loved you when you were in your same position before. You see, we try so hard not to offend others with Christ's glory that we end up just offending God with our inactivity. And so you have this church. John writes to these churches in, in, um, in Revelation. One of the last churches is Lydosia. He says this to, them, to this church. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one. So because you are neither luke, or lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. See, this church was very a wealthy church, a church that had a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of money. And literally the only thing they were doing was going to work and going to church. And God looked at them and said, "Okay, well that's great you're going to church, that's great you're doing all that, but actually you're not hot, you're not cold, you're just lukewarm. You think you have everything, but you actually literally have nothing." And I wonder if sometimes we're in danger of doing that to God and being lukewarm in our faith.
Thank you. I swear. Like a black, old black preacher. <laughs> <laughs> and God said. <laughs> <laughs> But we, but, we, but we try so hard not to offend others with Christ's glory that we end up just offending God with our inactivity. And I, I, I caution us as we go through our life, if we go through our, our, our Christian walk, I, I, don't want, I don't think we want to be lukewarm. He said, I, I'm, actually, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Sometimes also we put the veil over our faces because we don't actually reflect God's glory. Uh, and it makes sense. There's nothing wrong with that. I get it. So sometimes you might be thinking, like, I don't want to reflect God's glory or Christ's glory in my life because I'm not actually reading my Bible that much. I don't want to reflect God's glory or Christ's glory because I, I actually am living in this kind of sinful relationship or I actually am watching stuff that I should be watching online. I'm doing all these things. So how, how, I feel like a hypocrite. I feel like if I try to ex- express God's glory... <laughs> then no one will listen to me or I'm just being a fake hypocrite. And so what happens in that process, this is what happens, we also end up tolerating more and more sinful things. So Jesus is at this pool. There's this pool that um, they, they, they believe that if the, the pool starts to move, the angels were um, uh, moving the pool, and if you got into the pool, if you were blind, lame, and valid, any of that stuff, if you got into the pool, you would be healed of your disease. Well, Jesus walks up, he sees this situation, and there's this man just standing there. He had been kind of crippled for about a good 38 years. Jesus walks up to him and says, hey, do you want to be well? He's like, yeah, kind of, but when I try to get into the pool, like nobody's here to help me, and like people just jump in front of me. And then Jesus just looked at him and said, hey, Pick up your mat and walk. And then he starts walking. <laughs> and so he starts walking around. He's doing his thing. He's just walking around to the point where the Pharisees see him and they say to him, hey, what, 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 how did you, I remember you. How did you walk? Why are you walking? Now, now this is what happened. On the, this, this particular thing happened on the Sabbath day. And, and, and their custom on the Sabbath day, you weren't supposed to walk, I think, like 115 feet. If you walk more than 115 feet, you were a sinner. So here's this man who just been healed by Jesus. All he's just doing is walking around and doing nothing. And then Jesus sees him. He says this. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leader that it was Jesus who made him well. This dude just got his life transformed. He has been invalid for 38 years. He has been paralyzed for 38 years. Yet, for whatever reason, when Jesus comes and hits him and transforms his life, his only response is like, I'm just going to start walking around like a normal, normal dude. Like nothing happened. Hey, who healed you? I don't even know who healed me. Some dude told me to pick up my mutt, and I start walking. Really? That's your response to Jesus? to your life being transformed into this great and amazing thing? Unfortunately, we have tons of Christians walking around as if Jesus didn't transform their lives. Unfortunately, we have tons of Christians walking around as if Jesus didn't transform their lives. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. 
And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Did you catch that? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I don't know about you, but there's nothing that makes me want to go back to the old life that I used to live. There's nothing that makes me want to live my life the way that I used to live before. Because I am free. We have been made free by the blood of Jesus Christ. And if that doesn't excite you, if we don't have the same excitement as the people who were colorblind when they first see color for the first time, I don't know what we're doing. Our lives should be transformed. We shouldn't be walking around with veils in certain situations and putting, putting veils over our face and say, oh, this is when I'm going to show Christ's glory. This is when I'm not going to show it. This name is Malcolm Alexander. Um, about 1979, he gets convicted of rape. He said that he was innocent. He said, I didn't, I didn't do it. Um, obviously, back then, they didn't have as much DNA testing or whatnot. 38 years later, they do the DNA test, and they found out that another man had committed the rape. And he was free. Look at how happy he is. He should be. There's some joy in that. For those of us that have been baptized, we have been set free too. And we should be happy, we should be joyous. It should radiate, our, our Christ's glory should radiate off of us so much that people say, what is different about you? But it's hard for them to do that when we put the veil back over our faces. So Jesus is, um, excuse me, Jesus is, in um, Luke chapter 5, verse 14 to 15, it says, Jesus ordered these men, he said, do not tell them, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer a sacrifice that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet news about him spread the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him to be healed of their sickness. Now, this is referring to a man who had leprosy. He comes up to Jesus and said, Jesus, can you make me well? He says, I will make you well. He touches him and he becomes well. Now, he, he was told, hey, don't, don't tell anybody about this. But what does he do? He couldn't help himself. He had no choice. He went out and he told people about what happened, and then more people started coming to Jesus. Again, um, um, Jesus meets these blind men, and he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. Can I, can I get a show of hands? How many people have been transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ? So all of us who have been transformed should have the same reaction as these blind men, the same reaction as the man with leprosy. It's like, I can't help but to tell you about the amazing things that God has done for me. I can't help it. I'm not going to wear a veil over my face just so, just so that I can not offend anybody. I'm not going to wear a veil over my face just because I don't want people to know that I'm a Christian. I don't want people to know that I'll call me a bigot or say anything bad about me. Listen to this. Don't allow the world to put a veil over the glory that God has given you. Don't allow the world to put a veil over the glory that God has given you. Do we, do we want people to know this amazing love that God has for us? Yes? 
Maybe. I'm going to ask you at the end because I, I, I y'all didn't convince me. Do we want people to know the amazing love that God has for us? Hallelujah. Don't allow the world to put a veil over the glory that God has given you then. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I wonder. I wonder if we really feel like our lives have been transformed by God. I wonder if we actually spend time and reflect on the amazing things that God has done for us. I wonder. I wonder if we just, like the lame man, just we've been transformed by God and God did some amazing thing for us in our life and just walking around like we never had any transformation in our lives. So in the, in, the, in the Marine Corps, they do these things called um, ITXs, which are integrated training exercises, right? <laughs> and um, on the ITX, it's like a 35, 45-day um, evolution or whatever. And, and during that evolution, I am tasked with doing um, sermons and, and Bible studies and things like that for, for Marines and sailors, right? And one particular um, sailor came to, I think, pretty much every Bible study and, um, lesson that I gave when he could. And... Um, we, we spent a lot of time together. He was dealing with an issue with his spouse. He was dealing with an issue with his career. He was losing his career. Actually, he's still in the process of having that happen. And in the midst of that, the first lesson that we, I gave, he was like, man, he's like, I need, I, I need this stuff in my life. He's like, I need, to, I need to change. I need to do something different. Second lesson, he was like, man, nobody's ever really told me about this. When we get back from the ITX, we come into the thing. I've decided to do a Bible study. And we just got done doing the Bible study and talking about Jesus and talking about how Jesus was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when he got baptized, he received this Holy Spirit. And I look at the people that were there and I said, what do you guys think about this? And that same man said, I need to be baptized. Do we understand that God actually transforms lives? Do we understand that? Do we really believe that? This man was met with the gospel for, for the first time seemingly in his life. He said, I need to be baptized. His name is, is Marcus Hill. Actually, it's HM2 Hill, but his name is Marcus Hill. And he's actually here today. And today, after the service, he is going to get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There are tons of people in your spaces, at your work, maybe your family members, maybe somebody that you just meet at the grocery store or at a restaurant who need to hear about the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Yet they cannot see the glory. They cannot hear of the amazing things that God can do in your life if we walk around with veiled faces covering up Christ's glory because we don't want to offend someone. 
See, we miss out on the work that God is doing when we consistently put a veil on his glory. Here's what you got to understand about God. Whether you participate in what he's doing or not, God is always working. Whether you, whether you look around and you think to yourself, my Christianity is boring. Uh, God doesn't work the way he used to do in the back in the day. It doesn't matter what you think. God is always using his spirit to talk to people, to bring people closer to him. Now, do we want to participate in that or we want to sit around and act as if nothing happens? I say I want to participate in it. I say that people who have transformed lives should be participating in that. I don't want us to miss out on the work that God is doing because we consistently put a veil over his glory. Are we that selfish? That we just keep the gospel to ourselves? God transformed your life. He, he changed everything about your situation. He gave you this everlasting life. Yet instead of telling people about it, instead of living a transformed life, instead of living how God calls us to do it, oh, he's just going to walk around like nothing ever happened. Now, I know there's probably tons of people who hear this message for the first time, hear that God can transform your life, and, and you're probably thinking to yourself, hey, you know, what, what must I do to have that transformation in my life. Again, like H.M. 2 Hill, he, he is about to get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you feel that God has called you to do that, you can come forward as we sing this last song and we'll get you baptized. We, I can tell you right now, no one is going to leave the room unless they got something to do. They're going to watch you get baptized and come into the family of God. But some of us may have been baptized. And some of us are walking around with veils over our faces pretending that God didn't transform our lives. And if you, if you have been living like that, and you say, man, it's neat. I need to unveil myself. I need to put myself in the position where I am radiating Christ's glory no matter where I'm at. The elders and myself will be up here, and we'll be able to pray for you and put you in a position where you can live the life that God has called us to live. If you have any prayer requests or anything that you would like from the church, please come forward now as we stand and as we sing. Oh,